Hello and welcome. This is On Mike with Jordan Rich, and we are expanding the coverage and range of conversation to include artists of all kinds, actors, musicians, writers, scientists, pretty much anyone with a fascinating story. And that's a lot of people out there. I want to thank those who listen to this podcast and also to our sister podcast, which is On Mike with Jordan Rich Late Night Classics, highlights from my over 20 years doing the overnight show at Boston's WBZ, a powerhouse 50,000-watt radio station. You'll find many celebrity interviews as we head down memory lane together. It's featured on all podcast platforms, including iHeart. Simply download the iHeart app for easy access. Today, I'm with Larry Shashansky. He's a therapist and has been for many decades, who is pioneering his own work in a book called Independent Enough. Larry shares with his readers, and he'll share with us today, his own story of struggle with addiction and battling the chronic disease hepatitis C for years. Through these experiences and his own work with so many people, he realized a lot about himself and the human condition. As you'll hear, we believe our unhappiness is so much about what's going on outside of us. Independent therapy offers a practical solution to improve the quality of your life and your relationships. Can't wait to find out more. So Larry Shashansky, author of Independent Enough, let's go on mic. A real pleasure to welcome Larry to On Mic with Jordan Rich. The book is, again, called Independent Enough. We'll get into that. It's all about relationships, but uh, we're forming a new relationship, you and me, right here. Absolutely. It's very nice to meet you, sir. Nice to meet you, too, Jordan. Turns out that uh, you've had quite an interesting life yourself. And before we get to your premise, a lot of it is based on becoming independent, in your case, of something called hep C. Right. Exactly right. Can we start there? Because you shared with me before we started, you had a battle over many, many decades that is now yours in the wind column. Right. Tell us. In my uh, early 20s and towards my late 20s, uh, it was the late 60s and early 70s, I did a lot of alcohol and a lot of drugs and I became addicted. So I carried around with me uh, an illness, a chronic disease, hepatitis C, for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I got it back from my old drug days when I was in college. And through the years, um, in 1990, when I applied for a life insurance policy, I found out I had hepatitis C. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd carried that around with me since college, like I said, and it I never knew I had it. I was fatigued. I was tired. I was actually depressed. I did a lot of sleeping. I'd take a lot of naps, but I just kind of felt normal for me because I'd had it ever since I was in my 20s. So I had gone through a couple trials of treatment uh, with interferon and robivarin. It just knocks you out. I mean, it's just, it's brutal stuff. Mm. At one point, my platelet count dropped so low it almost killed me and they had to take me off the medication. Um, Three years ago, um, I was in a stage three trial. I have a doctor, Dr. Aftal, who's out of Beth Israel Hospital, stage three trial, and within two weeks, I was cleared. There is a cure. Yeah, there's for a cure. Oh, absolutely. Now wow. it's on the market. Well, congratulations. So glad you're well and vibrant. And that brings Thanks. us to what we're talking about, independent enough. In a way, you became independent back then when you were given that drug and developed a whole new way of living. Well, my idea was to, once I learned about the diagnosis, my idea was to eat better, exercise more, sleep, do what I needed to do, stay alive long enough so I, uh, until they found a cure. Um, when I was initially diagnosed, I had a friend who was a lawyer. He was doing malpractice in law, and he had a, a bunch of, uh, he had some nurses who were working for him, and they gave me this packet 
of research they had done on hep C. And before I'd go to sleep at night, I'd read this packet. And a lot of research tells you the worst of the worst. Tens of thousands of people were dying a year from hepatitis C mm. and not even knowing about it and, and all the side effects and all the, all the difficulties people were having. And I found myself waking up in the morning just depressed and I couldn't figure out why. So I put the reading aside once I figured it out and I just lived as healthy as I could. And sure enough, it was, it was just, I can't even tell you the difference it made for me that once I cleared and I could think clear and I had energy and I could engage people like I'd never engaged before. It was really like, and like we said earlier, it was like I'd known myself mm. for the first time in my life. There is that sense in reading your book, which is very easy to get into, understanding that it's all about us and relationships, but it's unlike a lot of quote-unquote help books, self-help books. You're just telling your story throughout it, which right. is very honest and very revealing, and I right. could identify with a lot of things you had to say, and I appreciate right. that. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, it's not it's not so much about the drug addiction or, no, the, no, or no. the recovery from the, uh, the hep C. It has more to do about the relationships I've had with my friends, with my family, with my wife, with my kids, and yeah. that kind of thing, yeah. So the title is right off the bat something we need to talk about, independent enough. Those two words taken separately have pretty distinct meanings. Put them together, it's a little, little different, different take. And what is that take? So most of us in psychology and um, in our society generally, we all strive to be independent. I mean, that's the word, be independent, become more independent. You got a problem, become more independent. Mm -hmm. My perspective is that all relationships you're in, all relationships have a certain amount of dependency. You just can't do away with it. It's a part of what bonds us together. And most of that dependency is healthy. It never causes a problem. What the book is about is when, <clears throat> is when the dependency creates conflict. My perspective is that all conflict, all conflict, from co comes from dependency, but not all dependency creates conflict. And that's what this book is about. You can keep your healthy dependency, right? And when you buck up against somebody, when you have conflict or the tensions or their problems, it's all because you're too dependent. When I depend on you for my well-being and we get into a conflict, I'm trying to get you to do something that'll make me feel better. There isn't a person alive who cannot identify with what you're saying That's right exactly now. right. That's and, exactly right. And as right. you say at the back of the book, there's a very important line, and there are a lot of important lines. The most meaningful and lasting changes do not come from pleasing others. Oh, exactly right. That's been my MO for a lot of years until I've tweaked it. And most when you tweak it you and you get that sense of independence, it really makes a difference. You have various steps, and I, I know – Every book like this would have steps to take, but I want to run through them with you because they're, they're very easy to think about and easy to apply. Sure. The interesting thing about the steps is we do it naturally. If you or anybody has a certain amount of functionality, you have done these steps, but it's unconscious. We don't realize it. Mm. And what the steps are is that when we enter into conflict with somebody or we come up against a wall when we're trying to accomplish something, it's all about taking a step back and getting the noise out of our head about the world, about the other person, particularly in our world. I mean, look at the politics. We're constantly, constantly blaming other for our unhappiness. And so we ruminate, we obsess, we blame over and over and over again the other person, and we never get anywhere. So that first step is taking a step back. The old expression, stop and take a breath, but it really makes a big difference. Right. 
Uh, by the way, I put this into practice, and it's amazing. How, it is, isn't how it? Much, oh, if I just stop and not react, let right. me just take a breath. Right. And that breath, yeah. that, that breath is taking a psychological step back and getting your thoughts about the other person or the world out of your head. Right. Taking a breath, counting to 10, you're doing all those old cliche-ish kinds of things. We're exactly that. It's about getting some distance so you can get the thoughts out of your head. Once you do that, once you get the thoughts out of your head, it's about self-reflection, not self-responsibility. This is not about responsibility. It's about going deeper into our psychological makeup and, and not about analyzing why we're doing something or our mothers and fathers did this or, or the trauma did that or that kind of thing. But it's more about who am I? What am I doing in this conflict, in this problem? Am I being too passive? Am I being too assertive? Am I being too aggressive? Am I being um, depressed? Am I being withdrawn? Am I being this, that, or the other thing? It's all about looking at ourselves. It's almost like looking in a mirror at ourselves and seeing what are we doing in the present problem. But that is challenging for a lot of people, isn't it, Larry? It's because very challenging. It, it requires objectivity. Right. When we're dealing with ourselves, we're very subjective. Right, right. Yeah. I think it, it's hard because of that, absolutely, we've become very subjective about ourselves and right. the situation. The other reason it's hard is because we try to analyze what am I about? And it's not about analyzing. It's about self-reflection. And it's not about the other problem is that we're often either critical or judgmental about ourselves. Oh, I can't believe I'm so depressed or I can't believe I've become passive. I hate myself for doing it. We get into those kinds of talks in our head, and it's not about that. It's about, okay, I was passive, right? What do I need to do about my passivity, which is the next step, right? We make a decision according to that self-reflection we have, not just in general, but it's tied to that self-reflection. You focus, of course, on the F word fear, which is the big stop sign that right. keeps us where we are and right. critical at this point when you have to sort of take action to deal with it. How do you recommend people in general deal with the F word? Well, I'll give you an example about fear first, just between you and I. Sure. Before we went on the mics, before we went on on show, we had this talk about the hep C mm -hmm. and I felt comfortable. We were back and forth. As soon as that mic turned on, I went into, oh, you know, and I got a little nervous and I got a little stilted and I said, okay, Larry, calm down. Just relax. Have the conversation with Jordan like you did before. Yeah, you took a, you took a beat. I took a to beat. To do that. Right. right. Exactly yeah. right. I stepped back from all of this in the studio mm -hmm. and I went, okay, this is what you need to do. Be more measured and be more engaged with Jordan like you did in the beginning. Right. And that was an instantaneous, quick thought, nanosecond thought that allowed me to calm down and engage more with who you were. You know what I love? You mentioned you've gotten into shape since your, your cure, and, yep. and you look like you're in great shape. Thanks. What I love about this concept, Independent Enough, is it's like exercise. The more you do it, the easier Absolutely. it gets or Absolutely. eating healthy. Absolutely. And, and it's a lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are struggling with, you know, moving one step forward. And it's that first step that's the toughest. Right. Exactly. But it does get, doesn't it get easier? Yeah. Yes. I, somebody said to me the other day, the difference between an amateur and a professional. An amateur practices to get better. Uh, professional practices. 
And that's what this is about. Okay. This is just about practice over yeah. and over and over and over and over again. We're jumping one step ahead. That's right, the, right, right, right. the next step after the one I'm going to bring up, re-engaging in the relationship. Right. Okay. And we we know that we need to take some action. There's the person, there's the boss, whoever it might be. Right. What's your advice in that regard? So what happens is after we've done the self-reflection and we make a decision, one of the pieces of advice I would say is – it's never going to work out like you have it in your head. <laughs> you know, we have these great decisions we make, and then we follow it with a picture of how that's going to turn out. Never does, because the other person is not going to play the role or the action that we picture in our head. So it's going to fail. Not a problem. It's just not an issue. So as you take a step back into the relationship, let's say my wife and I, and it's part of the book, have difficulty going to sleep together. Mm -hmm. I want her to come to sleep with me. She stays up late kind of thing. So as I do the self-reflection, I enter back into that conflict and I, and, and I interact with my wife in a different way than I did before, right? She may not, and I may, I may like, for example, I may think, well, maybe I need to tell her how I feel. So I go back in and I go, honey, I feel really rejected when you come to sleep with me. And she goes, Big deal. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> or some variation on sure. that theme, right? Oftentimes we give up. We go, well, that didn't work. Yeah. I tried it. Or, it or we work. get resentful. Right. We right. get resentful. Sure. We get more angry. Right. And then we go back into the thoughts about the other person. Hmm. That's exactly right. You didn't, I said how I felt. You didn't react the way that you needed to react. So darn it. And then we go off and run right. kind of thing. So it's a matter about when I say how I feel and it doesn't work, then I go back into myself, right? And I figure out, well, what what is this really about? What do I really need to do? And this trial and error, this back and forth, it, most of the time, the issues we have in life and the issues we have with other people never resolve themselves. We you're, That's out the window. Mm. And when we make those decisions to step back and we expect resolution, it doesn't happen. What happens, it evolves over time. As we evolve as people and, and our relationships evolve, let's say this issue with my wife and I going to sleep together, it doesn't look the same as it did the first year, the 10th year, the 20th year, or the 35th year. Mm. It evolves over time. We still have the issue, but it, do, it doesn't look anything like it used to look. Well, well it's so true, Larry, that uh, people – will say, no matter what I do, no matter what I say, I get that reaction. But I think you're right. I think over time, I mean, I've worked for bosses when I've worked in various radio stations who I learned to play like a violin. Right, exactly right. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> for, for survival. Absolutely. And Absolutely. there isn't a person out there who has been an employee who hasn't done this. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. after a while, you, you realize that works. The difficulty for me was always adapting that to people I really cared about. In other words, I could tweak my responses to get what I needed to survive in the workplace. Right. I had more trouble one-on-one -on -one with a loved one or with a dear friend. Exactly right. Because, I don't know, I feared hurting them or hurting myself. Well, what happens is that the closer people are in our circle, the more dependent we become. So it becomes harder to do the work you're talking about. Mm. Work colleagues, are, are, are you're less dependent on. Acquaintances, you're really less dependent on. Mm. So it becomes easier to do it with a guy at Dunkin' Donuts 
than it is to do it with your spouse. But if you practice with the guy at Dunkin' Donuts, exactly right. Ultimately, that might exactly move right. you to exactly its, right. right. And sometimes it's easier to practice with the guy at Dunkin' Donuts than it is to practice <laughs> with your per- partner or your kids or whoever it happens yeah. to be. That's very close. Seriously, it's much easier to do. So that. you're counseling families and couples and yep. individuals. Yep. Now you're doing this. I really like the fact that you're self-deprecating and you're a guy like me who can admit, oh, my God, did I say something silly or did I trip over my own time? Absolutely. And I think that's – I get the sneaking suspicion that a lot of people are so darn afraid of messing up. Right. That they don't explore. They don't have the adventure of relationships. Right. Exactly right. We're we're scared – we're afraid of losing relationships. Mm -hmm. And one of our greatest fears is the lonely – being alone. Um, and so we jump through hoops. We do whatever we need to do. We don't explore. We don't play. We don't um, take the risk. We don't grow out because as you grow in relationship, there's a potential that that relationship might not work. And that's what people are afraid of. Or they're afraid of getting swallowed up. I, you, you hit it on – you hit the nail on the head. It's like fear is so motivating mm. for us and we don't even realize it. But it's so inhibiting at the same time. It's amazing. Has the pace of lifestyle um, made it more practical to try these things more? I'll say why I brought that up. Yep. My wife and I, uh, we all have phones like everybody else. We yep. have the cell phone and the iPhone and we have a calendar and it's an Outlook calendar, We've and it's her idea because I can never figure this out. Right, right, it's right. a shared calendar. Yep. She has her calendar. I've got right. mine. We don't interrupt each other during the day, but a shared – she calls it the wet calendar. What does that stand for? Weekends, evenings, and travel. God. Pretty good, <laughs> huh? great. I think it's terrific. Good market that. But <laughs> you know what's, what's, what's really cool about this concept is it took me a while to get used to it You know, because I was sharing everything, everything. Here, this right. is where I am all day long. And right. she said, I don't really care where you are. Right. Exactly. But it worked out that we've set guidelines right. that we mutually agreed to. And it really became, I've got my independence. She's got hers. Perfect. Right. And much that's, better situation. That's the trick. The trick is to have maintain your independence while maintaining the connection at the yes. same time. Yes. And a lot of people, what we do is we're either overly independent where we're distant mm. and not connected or we're totally enmeshed with somebody mm-hmm. or anywhere in between. What you've just described is a perfect example of being independent but yet still connected at the same time. And using the tech, if you will, that's right. available because people right. always complain about the high-speed pace of life. But there are ways you can you can use these technologies to right. your advantage, I think. If you take the time and take that step back from the technology, mm. take the step back from your hurried life – take the step back from all the responsibilities and everything that we do. If you take that step back and you look at the technology and and figure out what you're doing in relation to that technology, am I being overly dependent? Am I I becoming addicted to it? I mean, there's tons of articles about addiction. How am I using this technology Mm. and how is what is the best way for me to use it in my relationship? It's not just the human connection. It's also the connection we have to, say, work, to internet, to all of these things. Absolutely. In a sense, independent enough could apply to anyone who might be looking to have a new relationship with their own body. Oh, without question. Absolutely. Everything becomes a relationship. Mm. We don't realize that. We don't think of it like that. But yeah, we have a relationship with self. 
with who I am. I mean, how many times do I talk to myself about me? And, <laughs> and all of us do it, right? Sure, of course. So yeah, we have that relationship with self. And a lot of times it's important to look at that so we can grow. There was a uh, David Brooks is a New York Times yes. columnist. He wrote a book called, oh, I can't remember, I'm sorry. But in this book, he says that um, one of the ways to build self-esteem and confidence is that when we set our own goals in our own mind, and we work towards accomplishing those goals, right? Now, this is internal. This is with self, right? I want to be a better spokesperson. I want to be better on the radio. I want to be a writer, whatever it happens to be. As we set those goals and we move towards those goals, that's how we build confidence and self-esteem. So that's the relationship with Larry. So it's one thing to write a book. It's another thing to get to the point where I can come here and have a radio show with you, mm. you know, or a podcast mm. with you. That's not easy. The first few shows and podcasts I did were horrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. And so I had to go into myself, into Larry, and figure out what Larry needed to do. I will say this, and I'm totally upfront and honest with anybody about this. Therapy to me has been all about stepping forward after reflection and taking action. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the idea of just talking to myself is great. I love the sound of my own voice because it's made me a lot of money. Right. But I needed somebody else. I've needed somebody else to bounce off of. And and let's talk about the, the, the power of positive therapy, the kind of work you do. Um, a lot of people are stuck and the book's going to help, but why is it that somebody else can crack that egg shell <laughs> of a head? How does that work in your estimation? So what happens is oftentimes when we have a problem in our lives, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, having problems in relationships or whatever it happens to be, I first come up with a solution in my head. And I try that, and if it doesn't work, my tendency is to continue to do that same solution over and over and over and over again, and with, without any results. Definition of insanity, right? But that's what it is. <laughs> exactly right. Don't mean to be flippant. No, no, no. Exactly right. So what happens is that when you when you o open into the world, mm. and it could be it could be fiction, it could be self help books, it could be therapy, it could be podcasts, it could be. Um, YouTube kinds of things, movie. I mean, it can be all number of different things, retreats, yoga, meditation. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much out there in the world that we can reach out to when we're so busy in our own heads that we can't see the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. We're too close to ourselves, basically. So therapy, with a good therapist, by the way, yes. and there's good and there's bad therapists. Absolutely. But when you get into a good therapist, that person, they don't have the answers. All they're doing is they're trying to play back as a mirror of who you are, and then you can figure out what you need to do. That's well, not, what that's about. Not, not to go too Freudian here, but it's no. about bringing yourself, S-E-L-F, out right, exactly. so that you can examine it and then, and then like it and, right. and then get to be an exactly ally with right. it. Yeah. Because it's when it's in your head, yeah. it's too close. It, you're just too close to the problem, and you need you – need, that's a perfect way to say it. You need to get it out so you can see self right. and then make some determination. Fascinating. From Let, let's do a little bit on repeat, repeat, repeat because okay. uh, we talked about the muscle memory that is so part yep. of the human experience. But you talk about short-term and long-term learning, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Uh, any tips on your way of repetition, how it works? So um, I'll get into the general idea about it if that's okay with sure. you. Um, there's this thing called neuroplasticity. And I'm not a neuroscientist by any stretch of the imagination, mm -hmm. but the way that I understand it 
is that with certain steps, we can actually change the physiological makeup of our brain. It's called neurogenesis, where you're actually creating new neurons, which then create other new neurons, which create new pathways. We used to believe that we were hardwired. Now the new science says we're not hardwired. It's like plastic. We're, we're pliable. But and practice over and over and over again in your mind actually creates these new neuropathways. What usually happens is when we first learn something, right, we go, ah, I'm done. But the neuropathway basically in Lay's turn is that it's not strong enough. Mm. So when we go, ah, I'm done, that chemical goes off in the head, says you've accomplished it. We lay back, but we don't have enough up in our heads yet to really have it solidified. Uh, the other thing that happens is when we, we try new things, we talk to people. And when we talk to people, they say to us, ah, nicely done. You're going back to school. Good for you. When we get that kind of kudos and cheerleading um, when we're trying to accomplish something, the chemical that is emitted in our brain that says you've accomplished something is also emitted in our brain when you're congratulated about something. So you take your foot off the pedal and you're not as engaged in the change. So it's very important that as you're doing things over and over again to find a small amount of people who can challenge you and push you forward, not rah, rah, rah you. You explained it so beautifully, and that's the kind of work you do in the book too. It's Again, I read it in two sittings because it was fascinating and I knew you were going to be here, but it's so practical. It's so I hope so. It, uh, it's so basic. So where do you see this going from here? You've got the book. You've got your website, yep. Uh, yep. which we'll announce again. And uh, you said to me your goal is now to outreach to the world as that's well it. as to individual clients. Right. That's it. The idea is to do more of these podcasts, do more radio shows, and do more speaking engagements. I love to do speaking engagements because when, when when you talk to people and you can <laughs> see people – and it becomes more of a conversation than a presentation. It just, mm -hmm. it's what it's what it's all about for me. And I, I, that's where I hope this will go. Well, I would assume a TED Talk is in your future, if not already. Uh, you know, I couldn't even get into the audience of a TED Talk. <laughs> oh, it'll all change after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping so, Jordan. <laughs> and I have one more question that's got nothing to do with Absolutely. independent enough. And it's only because I study voice and all that. And I know you came in, you drove in from Rhode Island, Yep. but you do not have the typical Rhode Island accent. No, I don't. You don't say, I parked my car and got a coffee. <laughs> right. So I'm not sure where you're from, but it's not, is it Philadelphia, Pennsylvania? Virginia. Okay. All Virginia. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had to ask. I didn't ask you that before. It's interesting because when I go back to Virginia, I start to talk like this. <laughs> yeah. I really do. I get hey, a southern accent that's unbelievable. Okay. And when I come up north, it changes back to the to more of a mix of. It's fine either way. Yeah, doesn't yeah. matter. Thanks. Well, Larry, thank you so much. It's called Independent Enough: A Book About Relationships. And what is the website once again? Independentenough.com. That's pretty easy to remember, yeah. and uh, it's a wonderful concept that's laid out very clearly and. I uh, highly endorse it. Thank you so much for coming by. Jordan, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And you're more than welcome. Appreciate you listening so much. We're building our audience every day. And you can help out by rating and reviewing this podcast on all major platforms, including Apple, and subscribing and telling your friends about it. If you'd like to reach me, Jordan at chartproductions.com, C-H-A-R-T, Jordan at chartproductions.com. On Twitter, it's at Jordan WBZ. And on Facebook, it's Jordan Rich Show. 
Until next time, we sign off by saying be well so you can do some good. Take care. <laughs>